vodka straight. And by the way, food was excellent, brother. You're the guy that got caught in that avalanche, right? Yeah, I'm the one. Like black men don't have enough ways to get killed without climbing up some stupid ass mountain in the middle of God's nowhere. Need to leave that to the white folks, brother. to the April episode of Afro Horror, everyone. And we're continuing our year of the creator with a very special guest who is not only um, a friend uh, on the webs, but a friend in person now, Camille Fryer, writer, director, and producer. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. It's it's about time this happened. We've tried to make this happen for months, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> we had I you know. in the clubhouse room, right? To talk about your last project. That was when? That was uh, December, I think. December. Oh my yeah. gosh, so yeah, long ago. Fine. I know. Oh my, and it's it's April. Well, as we're recording, March, but it is April when this. Is- <laughs> Mentally, I'm in April. <laughs> so Mentally, yeah, it, it and then it's June, and then it's like, what's happening? Why? Why is Listen, it like? Then we're counting down to Christmas again. So then we're counting down to Christmas. Um, has the daylight savings just been awful for your sleeping? Yes. um and the funny thing is the first like the first day I was like I'm okay maybe like you know I'm a little bit more well rested uh because I I was sick in February so I did have to like rest a little bit more sick with what uh I just had I just had a bad sinus infection and COVID was surging here I'm based in Memphis Tennessee and so it was hard kind of getting in touch with my doctor because there were more serious cases and so because of that, my infection, my sinus infection just got way worse than it normally would. And so, yeah, so I had to sit down and like rest. So I'm like starting to get back on the mid and I was like, okay, like maybe we're starting to do this adulting thing right. And no, oh, soon as Tuesday hit, I was ugh, just wiped out for the rest of the week. So like this week, I'm actually kind of like back to normal, <laughs> you know, like not really like as sleepy. I'm staying up till like 1 a.m. I'm just like, why go to sleep? Go to sleep. Can't go to sleep. Staying up till 1 a.m. But still waking up at seven, and it's it's throwing off my life completely. Like I was running late for our meeting this morning, and I'm looking around the house, and I'm like, you've let things go out of control. Clean. You need to. Well, good news is this is like the last year, right? That we might have to do it. What's oh that's right because they were gonna pass a law they can't pass any human right laws but they passed that time clock law right <laughs> <Sips But>. water <laughs> yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we put our priorities straight in this country is super proud to be American um anyway let's let's shift away from that um okay so you do so much writer producer um but also director uh I think you write like you wrote books or movies I can't remember uh movies movies yeah you do so so much so can you tell us about your latest project for those who missed the clubhouse in december sure so my latest project is called something's off um and it is a short film about a guy who is surviving the pandemic but ends up on a first date with a serial killer and um (laughs) it's a horror comedy and um i I enjoyed writing it. It was my 
it's my directorial debut and so it was uh really interesting uh putting on that director hat because i put on i've been writing screenplays since 2015 um i've been producing since like 2019 um, and I've even produced like other works, you know, just helping them from a managerial standpoint from script to screen. And so being in charge of my own project, putting on the director hat was definitely a different, definitely a different type of feel. Uh, but it was it was really good and I, I enjoyed it. And we got into, um, I believe, eight film festivals. Yeah. nominated for a few awards. Yay. Yeah. The one I'm most uh, proud of, we got not we well we were we were finalist. We didn't win, but we were finalist uh, for best kill uh, right. <laughs> for uh, for one of the film festivals. So I was like, yes, it was worth it. Uh, but no, it, it, so it you you that. wrote, directed, and produced this short. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It was. How yeah. how did you switch hats? Like. How, how was it switching hats? Like I got to direct, I got to produce. Now I've got to think with my my writer hat. Like, well, I had to. I'm I'm a loner, just kind of by nature. I'm an only child. But mm-hmm. one thing that I've learned um, with this creative process is that it's so much better if you trust your team, and if you have a team. And so um, I did have a producer with me. So I wasn't the I wasn't the sole producer. Great. And uh, my my good friend Barry, he just held it down, and he really made sure that you know all T's were crossed, all I's were dotted um, before, like in pre production, even like on set, because you know when you're in production, something's gonna happen. There's something's yeah. gonna be forgotten. Something's gonna ha- like there. I've never heard of a production just going straight smoothly I don't care what your budget is it's something right. is I don't know the lifestyle <laughs> right I don't think anybody knows so um but he was really good he was a really great producer um and he really uh really helped me manage it um and uh the director writer hat was interesting because again I'm used to being a loner but one thing that I realized when we were going into rehearsals um some of the actors it just kind of, they seem kind of stiff. And so I worked with them and I was like, let me take my director head off and let's, let's just collaborate writing wise. Like, what would you like, forget the script. What would you say if yeah. you were in the situation? And so I allowed them to help me, you know, kind of curate uh, their voice within the character, which really right. tied them, you know, tied them tighter to the character. And then once we were, you know, once we were aligned on that, then I could, you know, switch hats again so it was it was an interesting juggling act um but definitely having a strong team that I trusted even with even with the actors you know because sometimes people don't want to deter from the script at all and Mm -hmm. I I as I guess like one thing that I realized with this project as long as the message as long as my vision is coming across then I'm okay if we are changing some things so that you know it connects and it resonates more with the actor um, and so that was that was interesting. That was something that I found out about myself during the process, and it worked. So you're a good. collaborator. You, you 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 go. You want it the best for the story, which is what great directors do. <laughs> like yeah. if it's gonna, we're, we're on our way. <laughs> we're gonna make what's best for the story, what's servicing the story. So you shot this in Memphis, then? I did. Okay, this is so cool. This is why I love that we're doing this season. We're talking to horror creators. Um, because I've talked to people who are in Atlanta and New York and, and Michigan. So Memphis, 
what is the film community like there? It's emerging. So we have a strong independent um, film organization called Indie Memphis. Mm -hmm. And it's been, I want to say, in operation for about 20 years. Um, but it's definitely growing and you're starting to see like more creatives um, come out with films. The film festival's growing because um, we, we have an annual film festival. And so it's really, it's really a fun time to be in Memphis because we're definitely not as established as, you know, LA, New York, or even Atlanta, but um, there's some perks that kind of come with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's I want to ask really quick on the perks, because what I find to be really special about shooting in a small town is that you can ask permission to shoot in locations without having to go through permits and stuff. Cause it's, a, it's usually a small, did you find that like asking for like things was a little easier? Oh yes. Oh yes. Definitely much easier. Definitely uh, less expensive. Yeah. Um, when I was, uh, I was a producer for my friend Robert's feature film, Life and Like the Movies, we filmed it in Detroit and we also filmed it in LA. And so filming in Memphis was so much easier and it was so much easier to contact directly who I needed to talk yeah. to to get permission and I mean it was it was just the access was for a lot of different things not just even location it was just a lot easier and not as formal um yeah. as you might have in you know in some other established um, places and also sometimes people just want to give you perks because they're so excited and they don't yeah. usually see people you know, trying to actually put a film together. So they're like, hey, how can I help you? Sure, I'll, you know, buy you guys lunch. You know, I'll do this, I'll do that. So that that was also cool as well. Because people just want to like be involved sometimes. Like, you know, they just kind of want to well, help out. So That's your producer hat talking because yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what that is to be a good producer. Like never asking for the, the quote, just seeing if they'll give it for free first and then working on it. <laughs> Like, and that, but that can happen in LA. That's why I love talking to indie producers because they are such hustlers here in LA. Everyone thinks, oh, you got to pay. And I'm just like, I have shot films here in LA where I've literally went up to a small mom and pop restaurant, you know, um, cause you can talk to the owners are usually there and go, yeah. can we just have 10 free sandwiches for our crew? or just, some, just some kids just trying to make a movie. And they're like, sure. We'll put your names in the credit. Absolutely. But it's very rare and few between here and LA. So speaking for people listening who are maybe in that area who also are interested in producing, what's your like, what's your number one tip for producers? Ooh, um, allow yourself to go crazy in pre-production. Allow yourself to go crazy in pre-production because the more you're analyzing in pre-production the more that you're going over everything um and the more fires you find in pre-production the less you will find in production and yeah. especially in post um i've i've warned people like listen if you don't prepare post-production is where the film might die <laughs> so <laughs> let's keep it together it's gonna be crazy you're gonna probably not want to speak to some people sometimes but you're going to have to fight through that um because it's so much worth it and you're so much better prepared if you uh, again allow yourself to go crazy and overanalyze and overthink and come up with you know 10 different to-do lists if that's what it takes but make sure that you go through as much as you can 
because there's always going to be something that comes up always but if you are your most prepared before you go into production it's just going to be smooth sailing at some point yeah the best kind of producers for me are are virgos <laughs> so i'm a virgo <laughs> see? See? i'm not lying well i'm not lying. Lying. 14 <laughs> virgo virgos great producers people with adhd uh people with severe anxiety because oh, yeah. they're <laughs> um, and then most of all just women in general <laughs> they tend to be the best producers because they think of everything yes, you know? yes. speaking of women um uh on your set for your your short obviously there's you were there other how many other women and what positions were they in we had um raven uh raven common who was uh our antagonist our villain um we had Claire Davis who was over makeup and hair we had uh we had quite a few women um but we did have to keep it small uh because COVID it was I shot it December 2020 Ah. before vaccines and everything like that um my mom helped out a lot um logistically and stuff like that yeah she she gives me a hard time she's also a Virgo uh (laughs) but so uh but yeah so there were so yeah, and then my editor, um, Kimberly Towns Gathers, she's actually based in LA. She's uh, She was uh, in there as well and completely amazing. I absolutely love her. I told her she's gonna have to pay me to not like go to her for my editing needs. Like yeah. she, she's really awesome. So yeah, so it was, it was about, it was about half and half. Like when I think about the crew and everybody who put in on it, it was about half, half women, half men um, and uh, all, all black uh hey 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 i i always like to ask um especially yeah i I even ask men too because (laughs) i've been blessfully lucky to work on like all of the films i've worked on have been majority women crew and Mm -hmm. it's i'm only saying this people don't write me hate mail i'm only saying this because there's things as a female producer that you think about that men don't um first one is tampons it was so refreshing the last that I worked on in Hawaii, it was so refreshing that we all the producers were like, we got to get boxes of tampons <laughs> because we know that we had crew, female crew, we had female talent. We're like, we know they're going to have their period in the most inopportune time too, right? Like, cause that's just yeah. what happens. And we've got to have Advil and we've got to have like heating pads. Like we've got to make sure they're got tea on deck. We got to make sure they're, they're happy and they're, you know, like can get through it. That doesn't yeah. happen when you're sitting <laughs> men as a matter of fact i was produced i'm consulting on something that's shooting later this year and i was the only woman in the room and we had the conversation of bathrooms came up and they're like oh we don't need porta potties and i said if you're hiring women you do (laughs) but also for yourselves yes we don't want to just pee everywhere boys right (laughs) right and so, so I've, been, I've been really lucky. Uh, even the first set I was on, which was uh, Rob's uh, feature film, Life and Like the Movies, um, his mom uh, definitely helped, you know, set the scene for us, make sure that, um, you know, the food, the snacks were all like together and everything like that. Everybody knew there was access to the bathrooms and stuff like that. So uh, not to say that Rob would not have thought about those things, but she had already thought about it by the time I got there. Exactly. So even yeah. when I came to LA, yeah, I, I kind of just naturally stepped in there because we had an LA screening 
um, for Life and Life the movies last summer. What? And I made sure to to bring like snacks and right. At first, Rob was like, "Oh, they'll be fine," and I was like, "It's a screening. People, are, it's you know, they want to sit, they want to enjoy a little snack." Oh, I I just I just said okay, you know, I let him think that he won the argument, and then I went and bought and just did it. Woo! Ain't that the black woman way? Oh, and everybody, of course, ate it. all the snacks, drank, you know, the water, and we're happy to have it. it, it it's just right. It's the thing. And, I, and then he was like, you just had to do that. I was like, you're yes. saying you're welcome wrong, but it's okay. I feel <laughs> you're saying you're welcome, <laughs> but you're welcome. Um, ain't that the truth? That's just what Black women do. We're just going to do it. We do. We're just going to do it. Not even going to ask you. No we'll be like, okay. Okay. And we're just going to do our own I'm thing anyway. Do it. I'll, <laughs> fine. I'll expense it. It's fine. Um, I, love, I, I love that because as well, I remember I was working on a, a film that our cinematographer she was a woman and she was the only woman on the the camera crew and she pulled me and an, another producer aside and she's like can you guys like call break because i am bleeding through my tampon because we've been shooting for back-to-back scenes and i i need a break and we were like of course but also advocate for yourself yes you need to demand this as well because we're not you know you're not always on set when you're producing you're in a trailer you're doing other things so I was like I can't always be there to call break and I'm sad that you know you as a woman surrounded but I get it I mean like these men just keep going because they don't understand it's like some of us need a, a little 10 a little well, and ten. that and also you know I'm, I'm also a member of uh woke you women of color unite mm-hmm. and uh, it's cheryl really, yeah with cheryl and it, it's really been brought to my attention just since being a member how how frequent like you know black women especially are just left out of the conversation and women mm-hmm. are just left out of the conversation mm-hmm. and she probably didn't feel comfortable you know advocating for, for herself for which sure. was really is terrible but mm-hmm. but yeah you're right you you have to ask you, you got to demand it to in order to get it and so so yeah I will say that like I was uh with the short I definitely was you know I had it in my mind like who the crew was going to be and I really am trying to be like deliberate, you know, with my cast and crew with each production um, and not just necessarily go for like the easiest one, but really looking and making sure that I'm giving everybody, you know, equal opportunity and making sure I have the best voices in the room. Because I also think that that's something else that, you know, as creators, uh, I think that that's something that that we could start doing. Um, And that, that was definitely brought to my attention with Woke You. You know, um, Cheryl definitely challenges uh, change makers to be more deliberate with your, yeah. you know, with your decisions, with your production crew and, and everybody. And so, so yeah, I kind of took that to heart and I was like, okay, what, what can I do with my, with my little short? Let me, let me think about this. So. What do you think is the, the, the biggest challenge is we talked about all the rewards that come with shooting Indian Memphis, but what is the biggest challenge as a filmmaker in that area? Oh, the, I would say the biggest challenge is um making sure I would say the biggest challenge is definitely the resources for the crew and just sometimes mm-hmm. the crew um because unlike LA New York Atlanta everybody is not in in this field you yeah. know 
Um, and because it's emerging, you have some people who've been doing it for a while and who are big fish in a small pond. And so they charge big rates, right? Yeah. They, you might get hit harder in Memphis for certain things than you will in That's Atlanta true. or LA, or you'll have to take a chance on a, you know, someone with less experience. And that can be kind of nerve wracking too. Um, and so I would think that's kind of, that's kind of a big challenge. Equipment isn't as big of a challenge um, as I initially thought it would be. We have lens rental um, headquarters are actually here. So that's like really awesome that we have, um, you know, we actually have like at least like one place that's like really dope, uh, affordable rates, you know, for everything in between every camera you can think of. But when it comes to the crew, you know, and it comes to securing people that you trust, but also when you're dealing with a small budget, you know, you got to play that little man, you know, you got to manage that. And especially as a producer, that's the first thing that's on my mind. Um, and also just to kind of give a little background about me, I have uh, a law degree and I have a business degree and my, I work in finance, you know, full time. So yeah, so numbers are automatically like No, wait, let's fun. let's stay on this train because I I am a, I'm so glad you said that. I am a huge proponent or proponent, oh my gosh, advocate for financial transparency. Mm-hmm. I'm like we all need to be talking about money, we all need to be talking about it and what to do and negotiate, especially women, especially black women. So let's talk about negotiating those agreements with people who have rates that may not be out of how, what's your first step in negotiations when it comes to your crewing? Cause I think this is actually a really helpful conversation for producers who are like, I don't have the money. How am I go- negotiating these terms? Yeah. But like, even with the smallest budget, like you can, I feel like you can usually negotiate and you can come to terms with people who um, are, you know, are on your, are on your alignment. Um, one thing that, one thing that I've, uh, kind of took to heart, Issa Rae said this in an interview got years ago, uh, I think when Insecure was just starting off, but she said that she found it most helpful to like collaborate with people horizontally rather yeah, than vertically. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and so that's one thing that like, when it comes to negotiating, right, like, I usually, especially if we're talking about, and, and most of the things that I've worked on are independent, right? We're dealing with a small micro budget. Um, I do usually try to see like, okay, who do I know horizontally, you know, around our experience who kind of understand like, you know, the hustle and I can also pay them, but not feel like I'm cheating them, right? Because you still have some people who try to you know, hire, hire you and are like, oh, I'll give you IMDb credit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do I need IMDb credit though? Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. the pro is $20, like, I can pay that you myself. You can't give me a little change, like, you know, um, um, and so, and, and, you know, you have to balance that, right? Like, the further you get into the career, like, I know the rates, I know the union rates, right, yeah. for, for each of the crew right and if I had unlimited budget right and if you know you would pay more than that right but sometimes you don't so you have to kind of balance it but I also am very ethical and I usually am just very straight up like listen this is the budget we're dealing with yeah Yeah, like this is the budget we're dealing with I like your work I know what you can do if this is not 
this is all I can pay you from this budget. If this is under what you would take, who can you point me to, you know, so that, you know, I'm not cheating you out of an experience. You know, I'm just a very forthcoming, very honest person. And that's, that's usually worked out for me. Sometimes that person will be like, you know what? Yeah, this is kind of under what I would do, but I would look at this, you know, I would look at this group or I would look at this organization. And sometimes they're like, listen, I love this project. I like what it's about. You know, keep me in the loop. Like I'll work with you, you know, and, and those are actually more frequent (laughs) than, um, you know, than than you'd like, than I thought that they would be, but you have to be honest and you have to, you know, be, you know, I think also do your research, right? Like if you're looking at things like, let's say we're talking about a feature film and there's this composer that you like, and you know that this composer is working on like, you know, big projects and stuff like that. You can still reach out to them, but don't try to sell that composer a pipe dream, right? Mm-hmm. And act like you got, you know, $100,000 to pay them, you know, for this music that they're going to create when realistically that's your budget, you know? Right. You got to have, you got to be able to kind of fight through the nerves and be honest with yourself. So you can be honest with them and you can kind of come, you know, to one accord. So, so yeah, so that's, honesty is the best policy, you know, money makes the world go round. Unfortunately, in independent filmmaking, there's not a whole bunch. <laughs> no, no. Um, and they're also, I, I love what you're saying too, because it's also like, know your ask, I think is so important. Because I think yeah. a lot of people are taught to reach for the stars, ask for the big things. Of course, you get occasionally some of those. But like, to go back to the composer thing, if I knew I had a composer that I really loved and I was out of budget and he couldn't do the whole thing, give me one song. Yeah. Give me one song. Please. Yeah. I even talked to a composer and he was like, um, actually on the feature film that I'm in pre-production for now, um, uh, paying homage, um, I just really loved his work. And when I listened to his reel, I listened to his tracks and I'm like, oh my God, this is this is what I'm envisioning, right? And so we're talking about it. And I just told him, I was like, listen, I'm not even gonna hold you. Uh, I will likely not be able to afford you <laughs> to yeah. score this whole thing. But, you know, if you could, you know, just do one part of it, if you could do this scene, or, you know, something like right. that. And he was like, well, let's talk about it. He was like, you know, what kind of instruments are you thinking about? Are you, does everything have to, you know, does music have to be on everything? And I was like, actually, no, because it's going to be set um, in Memphis, but also in like the countryside in, uh, in Tennessee. So I'm planning on using silence to also like heighten the stakes, you know, from an audio standpoint. He was like, you know what? I work with you. Like, like, let's, let's stay in talks. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not about to shun you. I like this, you know, let's do it. And I was like, what? He was like, no, I'm serious. So surprised. how many yeah. people, I mean, a couple, the couple of things to take away from everything you just said is first of all, being a good person, being a person that people want to work with goes so much far sometimes more than money people will do a lot of things for money they will work with the worst people in the world for money but they will bend and break for really good people that they want to work with and believe in and like to work with that's number one so like if you're a good person who has good intentions you'd be surprised how many people will come to your corner just because we're so used to working with awful people but at least paid (laughs) 
Right. And and here's the thing, right? You know, I've I've um I've I've always like advocated for strong mental health and yeah. um and my thing is I have to be able to sleep at night. Um yeah. so I've got I can't I have to put the energy that I want back to me, you know, and that it always comes back around, you know, even the biggest names when they're not so great, like it, it comes back around. So I, I just feel like you want to you definitely want to put that good karma out there and especially when you're in the producer role you know you're the manager of this thing yeah. you are seeing it from script to screen a lot of the times or even if you're not if you're like the line producer right and it's yeah. it's your job to make sure that in production things stay within budget you're still so involved with so many different departments right? You're, you're really the, like, the liaison between so many things that a lot of people are not. So you, you definitely want to make sure you are intentional yeah. with those moves and you're intentional with the people that you're working with. And you, for me, it's hard to be intentional and dishonest. And that, that's just kind of how I live life. And it's really been working with me in the film community. So it, no, it's true. It's intentional and dishonest. I love what you said. It's hard to be intentional and dishonest because dishonesty comes from a place of fear. I'm afraid of how you're going to react. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. And so I'm going to lie about it to make it sound better. So I get the reaction that I want. So you're essentially stripping away this person's sovereignty to have an, their honest reaction because you've already taken away the honesty from, right. from your, your intention, right. if that makes sense. Right. Oh yeah, and and also a lot of people who are dishonest with other people, they're also dishonest with themselves. You right. know, yeah, yeah. And um, having such, you know, having the background of finance and law, I mean, logic is just, it's just kind of in me. So, um, I have to. Where it was funny, like you said that you know people are taught to like reach for their dreams. I actually have to kind of like wind myself up sometimes to allow my creative side to flourish because my logical side is so strong Mm -hmm. um but I definitely try to you know just try to balance that like okay this is what I want to do this is what I can afford to do so how do we align and meet in the middle and you know get this project moving and you I just don't think that it's I don't think it's sustainable to do it if you're trying to fool everybody you know yeah. I mean, the, the tenets of producing also is like beg, borrow. It used to be steal, but I call it beg, beg borrow, negotiate. Don't steal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I like negotiate better as well. Yeah. Then steal. <laughs> beg, borrow, negotiate. But okay. So someone's listening to this. I already know. I, I know they're like, okay, but what if we don't have any money and I want to try and y'all like, I, I get it. I can hear someone listening going, I have no money. <laughs> what do I do? I I know what I'm going to offer up and I want to know what you're going to offer up, um, Kamel. What I've made when I first started three or four shorts, not paying anyone a dime. You know why? Because exactly what you said earlier, I reached out and not up. I worked with other people like myself who also just wanted to make good stuff, who just needed a tribe. So I created a tribe and we would get together and we make little shorts and won little awards and no one got paid. It was all volunteer. But you know what we did do? We fed everyone very well. <laughs> so we may not have money to pay people, but it wasn't pizza and candy. I'm like, no, no, no. And like I said, did I pay for the catering most times? No. I went to local mom and pops and, you know, things like a Greek, a Greek restaurant, you know, can you give us 
um, pans of pita or hummus? What can you give us? There are little things that you can do like that. And I've found in those early days before money became, you know, you know, when you're younger, it's a lot easier when you're older. It's like, yeah, I can't work for no money. But when you're younger, if you're just around and you're listening to this, this is now the time, you know, for you to get with your friends and do things, but feed them well. And I always find when people are, are, and the hours are good and, and they feel rested and they've got good food, they're good. They're good to go. As long, and they're being treated well, obviously. Like you got to treat people well and feed them well if you're not going to pay. Oh yeah. Well, and and also again, like, well, I've I've always been the type where I I hate for things to drag on too long, right? Mm-hmm. So that pre-production where I was like, you know, drive yourself crazy. I try to really make sure that schedule is tight, so I'm not wasting people's time. Wasting, yep. There it is. Because you, you, people are not going to be nearly as nice if you're wasting their time and they're just lingering around um, because you're ill-prepared. Now, if something happens, that's, that's another situation, right? Um, Or something breaks down or, you know, or something like that. Somebody didn't show up. That's, that's something. But if you're just kind of wasting people's time because you didn't plan accordingly, that is on you. And, and also, you know, you definitely said a word there, like, you know, you don't have to you don't have to like have a big budget to (laughs) shoot a film, especially if we're talking about, you just want to know the process or you just want to like start finding your voice Mm -hmm. because you can't find your voice unless you do it. Right. Yeah. 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 You you gotta, it's, it's a weird thing, right? Because a lot of us don't want to have bad films. Right. But you got to start from somewhere and you just got to go for it. Um, However, you just never know. I mean, with, with something's off, there was one point where I considered pushing the production back Mm -hmm. and, um, I told Barry about it. Um, and he was like, well, why? And I was like, well, honestly, like, this is the camera, like, this is the package that I'm going to rent. My camera was not sufficient enough. So I found, I found, um, like lens rental like sometimes they put together like camera packages right yeah. so you get the camera the lens the lighting the audio like you get yeah. literally everything that you need and I was um it was something that came up and so I was gonna be like a little short you know I was gonna be a little short on it and so I was like well you know I kind of like this makes the most sense to shoot with this equipment it's all in one we can knock this out over a weekend, but I'm like, I'm going to be a little short for it. And he was like, how about this? Let's split it. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, are you sure? He was like, yeah, let's, let's split it. And that's what we did. Um, nice. And I would have never asked him to do that because he was already putting in so much work yeah. um, and, you know, helping me with managing the actors, helping me manage the shot list and, and, you know, and, and putting out fires, we lost our cinematographer. So then trying to figure out, okay, so we got to be a cinematographer on set too. Like what, you know, like, like he was helping me to do all of that. I was not going to also ask him to, you know, put some, you know, to pay for equipment, you know, equipment rentals, but me just opening up and letting him know what the problem was. He put on his producer hand was like, Hey, I got a solution. So sometimes it's again, all about honesty and yep. just being transparent about what you have and what you need to make with it. Um, and we actually ended up also saving money because I was going to rent two cameras, but I decided to have my backup camera 
shot with the iPhone and then have the main like Canon C200 Canon uh, camera um, that we rented. And we lucked up because I think the 300 came out right before we shot the film. Ooh, nice. So the price dropped a little bit. So I mean, like it was like literally like just all the stars were aligning, and I was all, like, "Yeah, okay, let's when, go." When it. you're when you're good intention and you're trying to do the fair thing, I do believe the universe gives it back to you, like you said, like mm-hmm. you putting out the good vibes, so you're gonna get it back. You lost your cinematographer, but you gotta keep going. That that's the biggest lesson I ever learned, actually, from the restaurant industry. It wasn't even in the film industry. Really? Um, I remember I worked at a restaurant um in Beverly Hills one time that the bathrooms stopped working and you know legally you you have to have bathrooms like you cannot you know people have to wash your hands whatever and um I walked in and I was like oh I guess we're closing for the day and they said no we made a deal with the restaurant next door that they can we, we they can use their bathroom <laughs> they stayed open That's I was really <laughs> Oh, we closed. We closed. This no. They were like, no, ma'am. <laughs> that was the biggest lesson I ever learned about when there's a will, there is a way. Like <laughs> you Tamika, have to make it work. Uh, Tamika Briscoe, who's also heavily yes. on Clubhouse, uh, creator of Cuties on Tubi, she yeah. um, she did a segment maybe a few months ago about pivoting. And mm-hmm. how there are so many things that will be thrown at you in this industry. And the, the creators, the writers, directors, producers, the ones who make it and make a career out of it, they always figure out a way to pivot. Yep. Even if it takes them a little while, they yep. pivot. Because sometimes your original idea- And the scam. Yes, it's not going to be the one that's going to pan out. Maybe because there's something better on the horizon. So you right. got to be able to be flexible and change, you know, you know, according to just how, you know, reality is going to hit you. And once you're able to do that, you're able to, you know, you're able to come through with your film and you're able right. to, you know, get to that finish line. But you you got to yep. know the art of pivoting. And, that's uh, so, that's that, so and that has like literally been in the back of my head since she said that. So. That's because it's, it's so true. I, I, I For any filmmaker listening out there, the same way with you. If you have a location, if you have a date, if you have scheduled people, that is that is the golden hour. That is the golden rule. You do not move it for hell and high water. I, I remember one time, it, it, I mean, honestly, look, this is a very different situation. I'll tell you what happened. So don't judge me off it. We were the night before I was going to shoot my first short and my my good friend, Shawnee, hey, Shawnee, she was going to um, camera oper- operate for me and, and DP and um, unfortunately, the saddest thing happened. Two of her close friends who were brothers who are also bandmates with her, they got in a car accident and they died. They passed oh. away the night before the shoot. And I was fully ready to be like, okay, well, we're just not shooting. That's fine. And she said, I'm sending my brother. He does the same thing as me, maybe a little better. You're going to keep going. Mm. That is insane. Like, you know, that that's crazy in the sense, like had they been a part of our crew, obviously I would have kept going, you know, I'm right. not going to do that. And if she had, hadn't sent her brother, I would have shut down, but it was her, her um, belief that we had the dates, people were coming, food was done, uh, that it would be so crazy to schedule. So she said, I'm not going to be there because I'm going to go grieve my friends, but I'm sending someone that I trust to get it done. And we got it done. And it was bittersweet to do it without her. But um, so long story short, basically, you guys, you got a date, 
you got you you spent time in post and pre-production i mean pre-production you go i've only pulled out a one movie one movie in my life the day before we were supposed to shoot and that's because they didn't they lied to me you see transparency and they didn't have the money to pay the crew and i said i'm not going to go to work at 5 a.m knowing that we can't pay this crew i'm not doing that i won't do that to anyone so i pulled out of that because i didn't like the dishonesty with the money i was like we, we've got people showing up so i did cancel everything yep cancel food cancel it's done yeah because yep. if you if you lie to me the day before that's not going to work for me i don't want to work with you that's the only time i've ever pulled out of something mm-hmm. you know so and, keep going no that was that's that's really touching and, and you know it's yeah, I mean he that that's that's how Bear was. Bear was like, no, we we got it locked down. We're we're gonna do this. And and I will tell you guys this: like, I go, a movie is nothing without its crew. Yeah, right? yeah. And and I, I and that's you know actors definitely you know deserve you know the accolades and stuff. But when I'm telling you like the crew is what holds it down and and puts it together, you know, and so. It even got to the point where like one of the days that we shot, I think it was, yeah, it was a reshoot because we did have to, we did have to do a reshoot day um, just because we ran out of, this is, this is a tip I'll give you, right? Mm-hmm. Do not, if you can, uh, if you just absolutely have to shoot around dusk, then okay. But if you can, <laughs> not. Don't depend on the sun. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that because you give yourself an hour two hours max to get it right and if you don't get it within that time you gotta move to another day yeah that's right and so i mean it got to the point to where you know uh my makeup my makeup artist my makeup and hair artist uh clara davis she um she had some conflicts but she was dedicated to helping me see this film through so she came made sure everybody was looking great did everybody's makeup freshened everybody's hair and then she she had to go uh to a meeting and so i sent chick-fil-a to be delivered to her house where she was taking that meeting and she like messaged me was like you didn't have to do that i was like baby you the crew you're gonna eat like even if you're not here i'm gonna take care of you because you guys are taking care of me you you can eat anywhere else then, then here, and you're helping me. You believed in my vision, so I believe in you. And I, at the very least, I'm just gonna do what I can to to take care of you and let you know that you know you're family, and, and we're we're in this together. Like even if you physically are not gonna be here, because you know she could have just been like, I can't do it, and and I would have had to figure out. I mean, I've done makeup before, but I would have it would have been even more tiring because I'm exactly. the director, you know. So. Exactly. So many, yeah, you people, every every position on a on a set has complete value. Everyone. Absolutely. Production assistants, especially, because they're doing all the running around and stuff. And I know they're they feel like they're the lowest on the totem pole. Um, background artists because y'all pay those production assistants because <laughs> or at least put the gas in their car don't send them all over the place (laughs) lord help them bless them all right we have to get to the the last part of our interview but i do want to say where can we see the film or is it available it is so it it is on vimeo um and i actually have um my i actually put up my website my uh my mentor is gonna be so proud Mm because i'm a perfectionist and i didn't i didn't 
<laughs> I had my website for like a year, yeah. but I was like hard on myself. So I didn't publish it. Um, but no, my, my mentor is going to be so proud. Kamari901.com. You can click on it and you can see the film there, or you can find my Vimeo channel and it's on there as well. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm really excited and, uh, you know, I'll definitely send you the link, uh, Sade, so you can, yes, you can as well. Um, the feature film, I did want to say, uh, I am working in pre-production for my feature film called Paying Homage. Um, a really, what'd you say? A feature? A feature. That you wrote? Yep. Fabulous. I wrote, um, in, Paying Homage. Uh, yep, Paying Homage. And so, we are in the fun editing rewriting phase. <laughs> um, but I have, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm tidying that up and then I have a pitch deck. So I'm tidying up the pitch deck um, and we're looking to uh, shoot like a few scenes within the next month so that I can, um, you know, just really start creating the buzz for it and stuff like that. It is going to be a paranormal horror film about a black woman who inherits a haunted plantation and oh. she has to decide if she's gonna get rid if she's if she's gonna get rid of the property or if she's gonna face her family's ghost oh 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 i love it so, we yeah. love it yeah Can't fun not. fun fact i am um i'm one generation removed um from the plantation my ancestors were brought to so my oh. grandmother didn't leave the plantation that my ancestors were brought to until she married my grandfather in 1946. So, uh, so yeah, so when it comes to uh, the different things that will be discussed in this film, um, and even just how, as Black people, how we may have differing opinions on what to do in a situation like this, what to do with plantations, you know, because there's quite a few that still exist. Some are commercial, some are not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Um, having weddings at them, like, yeah. they're, like they're a fun place to have a wedding. I will never understand that in my life. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I won't either. Oh, and, and I really do think that, you know, horror, um, I love the horror genre because, uh, I mean, there are just so many um, movies in the horror genre that bring forth harsh truths yeah and I think that you know sometimes you have to let those truths out and so with this film um, I'm looking forward to letting some truths out some of these things um, did occur in my family some of these things um, you know and I am planning to shoot it at the plantation that my ancestors came from so it, it definitely means near and dear to me and uh, and it's also going to be very frightening. So I'm looking forward to it. So. I am looking forward for a good Southern Gothic horror Black-led yes. film too, because Memphis, you got everything. History, Memphis, scares. That sounds right up my alley. That's I, um, when I've asked, when I've been asked about comps, I've told people that it's like Hereditary meets his house. I love it. frightening well frightening but I think also touching to a degree too so so you're gonna have to keep us updated on that one but specifically okay because I'm I'm gonna go over all this before we wrap up but I do want to ask I asked you a question yesterday speaking of horror because this is after (laughs) horror we're gonna talk about horror now I asked you a question yesterday that I always ask people and your answer was hilarious so I'm I'm gonna read it back (laughs) if you don't mind I said 
<laughs> I, I sent I sent you a message yesterday. I said, what is your pick for the movie that scared you the most? And y'all, this is what she sent back to me. <laughs> First of all, I'm a Virgo. So give me, <laughs> you know, we overanalyze everything. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I was like, um, that's a lot, but okay. You said, um, this is such a hard question. The Omen, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and Sinister are movies that I had to stop because I was so afraid. Hereditary, His House, and The Shining shocked and scared me, but I loved them and watched them over and over again. So they're not that scary anymore. Girl, you didn't give me an answer. <laughs> I would say the, answer. <laughs> the movie that scared me the most, I think it still goes back to The Omen. Okay, well, which one are we talking about? Julia Stiles, The Omen, or the original? Ooh, the original. 1976, baby. That, okay. I did not sleep for like three days after I saw that movie. Okay. Um, and, and here's the thing, right? Um, when I look back at it, right? Because now when I watch movies, I have to, you know, you got to balance it when you're a creative, right? Like you have to watch it for the story, but you also have to, make sure that you're not paying too much attention like for like directorial style and special effects and stuff like that but when I look back at it you know there were it was so much more simplistic than the remake and I think the simplistic way was scarier right Mm -hmm. um and I think with the remake it was not nearly as scary to me it was just like okay um because I think they were trying to make it so I think they were trying to make it make sense in modern day and they were going kind of above and beyond so when it came to the killings I think I think the acting was great but when it came to the actual um heightened stakes right the only one the only performance that truly truly stood out to me was the nanny oh Um, I was just gonna say she he was Damien, this is for you. It's all for you. <laughs> in in the remake, she was frightening. Like she, right, right. Yeah. Oh, come but, on, Mia Farrow. Yes, but in the original, I mean, gosh, all the actors were just amazing. The setting, the, I mean, it was just everything. There, there, it was so. It was it's, it scared the crap out of me. Um, and then also that was the first horror film. I'm, I'm, I'm raising, you know, I was raising the Christian faith. So this is mm-hmm. the first horror film I'm watching and you're quoting <laughs> verses. Yeah. You but know, and I'm looking at my Bible Ooh. like, <laughs> it's real. It's really in there. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. What? <laughs> it's really happening. Yeah. And so, so no, but, but I also do think that because they kept things simple, um, yeah. And, and I also, I fight with that sometimes too. There are so many great things and, and with technology becoming more accessible and cost-friendly, um, I do try to make sure that I don't try to overdo certain things. Like when I write scripts or when I, you know, when I am, you know, trying to put on my director head and producing, um, but sometimes simpler is better. Especially oh, yeah. when you're talking about the horror genre and getting, mm-hmm. frightening your audience. Sometimes if you overthink it, then it doesn't quite land how it should. Of course. Yeah, no, that that's actually true. And um, I still I'm a huge fan of um, practical effects myself. Like I love a practical Mm -hmm. effect and I love good horror makeup. But you're right in the sense of the omen, too. That's why The Exorcist to me still is hands down the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's the simplicity. It's like we got a story here about a girl who's getting possessed. That's it. 
and we're going to give that to you (laughs) in different stages. So that, that still movies like that still frighten me. Cause you're right. It's just about, they're so close to the realism. Like this could, this could be a thing. Like the the antichrist is in the Bible. We talked about it. We like waiting for it to happen. And And see, I saw the omen before I saw the exorcist. Oh yeah. 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 If I would have seen it opposite, I probably, my answer would probably be different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. When you, when you're, and I mean, if you think about it, the exorcist, any, any, any demonic possession story that we see now, it's, it's Ten coming holes. from there. That's, from there. That's the mother of it, you know? So exactly. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it was, it was definitely the, sometimes again, yeah, simpler is better. And especially when you're just, you're just really trying to, you know, invoke fear and also invoke like certain lessons, right. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in that fear um yeah it's it's sometimes really good to just kind of get to the nitty-gritty of it and leave all of the the fancy smashy stuff behind well there's a theme even though you gave me um you know the schindler's list of horror movies (laughs) here there is a theme to all of these omen exorcism emily rose sinister hereditary Mm -hmm. his house shining you you seem to be into supernatural um oh yeah horror that seems to be your now i'm not sure if i would ever direct a demonic possession story i'm not sure if i'm there yet but no, i do like super i do tend to gravitate to supernatural horror uh slasher i I like slasher movies my something's off is actually a slasher Um, oh yeah yeah it is a slasher um but yeah it's, it's yeah they they didn't quite hit the same i think there's something about um you know, just the not being able to control supernatural, right? Yes, Slasher, yes. you can't really con- like if Jason barges in here, right? I can't control Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get hacked to pieces. But maybe I could control like he has to physically walk around. Maybe I can control walking into the wrong house or something like that. Right, so right. Supernatural. I think there's something about that that scares me. Like there's just this element of not being able to control, control. When, you know, what it is. And so, so yeah. So we'll, right. we'll see how I take that on with uh, paying homage. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was like, okay, this is your inspiration. I can't wait to see how you, you translate that into your work of all these, these things you like. Well, Kamel, this has been so fun to catch up with you and to introduce you to our audience here at Afro Horror. Please tell people where they can find you online um, and remind them of the website and where they can watch your uh, short one more time. Sure. Um, you can find me. I'm on Instagram and, um, and Twitter. Both handles are at Fry Smalls, um, all lowercase. My website is Kamari, K-A-M-A-R-I. 901.com and uh and yeah i'm i'm out here so so and i'm based in memphis tennessee so definitely feel free to reach out um and i love to talk about i love to talk about horror movies even if uh you're not a creative and you just kind of want to gush over you know any type of horror story that comes out i'm all for it and you guys you know where to find us i'm gonna say at the end of the episode in our recording but um this has been uh, 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 this has been our April episode, and we're so glad to have creators here. So if you want to be 
on after horror and you're a creator and you've got a, a horror project um and you're black in <laughs> in in work um that is a stipulation that's after horror just kidding actually we had cody on a few months ago you don't have to be black I just always consider Cody one of us, but he, 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 he just come on the show. Um, uh, you can email us at info at afrohorror.com if you're interested, if you've got something going on. Um, but besides that, we'll see you. Oh my gosh. What's after April, May? We'll see you in May. We're hoping to get a very, very big surprise guest, at least for me on. So I've got to, I got to work on it, but we'll see. Yes fingers crossed you stick around i'm gonna say goodbye to you but i'm gonna say goodbye to everyone else so we'll see everyone else in may thanks for listening bye thank you for listening to this episode of afro horror please subscribe and leave a comment if you'd like what you heard we want to send a special shout out to jaron hemphill for our amazing logo design thanks jaron you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at at afro horror or on our website www.afrohorror.com No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.